0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host Shwini Poon. This is episode 290. I'm joined, as always, on this uh, beautiful Thursday evening by my co-host Pres. Prez. That is at underscore presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm um, doing all
1: right. The Yanks are up five to three. It's a nice day. No complaints.
0: How's my boy? Uh, did my boy Rizzo do anything today?
1: Uh, yeah, he. Is cooking, he is two for
0: two. Nice, let me know when I should trade high on him because I know I feel like he's been cooking a lot this year. Um, it depends if you got some uh,
1: if you got some marks in your league, you may want to start getting those offers out now.
0: <laughs> All right, nobody's here to listen to uh, fantasy baseball <laughs> talk, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram, check that out. That is at the land on Instagram. We are putting up all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe to help us out, get to 1,000 subscribers on the channel. The Strickland also has new merchandise. I'm not wearing any of it today, but if you've been watching the pods, you will know we have t-shirts, we have sweatshirts, we've got hats, we've got everything your heart could possibly desire. Check it all out. We've got Quickland merchandise. We've got Jalen Brunson merchandise. It's all on there. Uh, and then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Stricken Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. He wrote an excellent piece on RJ Barrett this week. Uh, So if you were subscribed to that tier, you would be able to appreciate his wizardry with the words. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier. $30 $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on our pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, let's get started. Um, the Knicks lost 107 ninety in Game 2 on Tuesday night. It was a pretty ugly game. Definitely an ugly offensive performance. Um, I know there were a lot of there was a lot of, like, very, oh my god, doom and gloom stuff. And I get some of it, like, I, the stuff that's actually couched in, you know... I'll put it this way. I saw a lot of people talking about, like, you know, they got punked, they didn't, cut. like, the, the Cavs brought more energy and desperation and blah, blah, blah. I would, I think most of that's just garbage. Um, I think the Knicks executed poorly. I think... I thought their game plan sucked. Against what Cleveland was doing, and then they didn't adjust to it well, and it kind of devolved from there. I did not think Tibbs coached; a, I thought Tibbs coached a flat-out bad game. Um, and I'm not actually that. I would. I, I'm not going to say I'm not concerned about it, but I'm not that pissed off about it because I just kind of think that happens sometimes. And I, I would like to believe, and I, I think the evidence on the season would believe would lead me to believe that. Sometimes you just can't get guys to execute the thing that they need to execute, and in the middle of a playoff game, that can happen. Um, They got punched in the mouth with what the Cavs came out with uh, defensively, a lot of traps, a lot more aggressive scheme, and they just didn't adapt well. And I thought he went away from some stuff too fast. I didn't like his rotations at all in this game. I thought they were pretty fucking awful, actually. And what I will say is I thought in the second half, it seemed like to me, I wouldn't say he waved the white flag, but I do think that he was trying some different things out with lineups that he probably feels like he could use moving forward and will need to use moving forward. Um, So I thought that was a good thing, but overall the game was bad and the Knicks played poorly and blah, blah, blah. Um, I do want to just say before we start, for real here. Um, I guess we can just start with RJ Barrett. Uh <clears throat> I just don't really understand what people are so upset about right now. And I don't say that in the sense of like, I don't get why people are upset with R.J. Barrett's play this year. No, that's not why. I've criticized him plenty on this pod, and a clip of mine when got really people really upset where I said that he's been putting up empty stats this year. Um What I just don't understand about it is, like, he's been this guy all year. And so, to me, I'm not really upset that he's continuing to play the same way he's played all year, especially offensively. Defensively, he's picked that up a little bit. Um, We'll talk about that because I know you clipped some stuff there. But, like, you know, it is what it is. Like, this is just what he is right now. This is what he is this season. I don't really understand the point of debating this any further, um, this is why I wasn't optimistic about him having some bounce-back series. Maybe, I mean, there's still time. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I'm still not optimistic about it. The fact that he doesn't have a mid-range game. The fact that he doesn't have a pull-up shooting game at all. Um, the fact that his floater is, yeah. Um, like it, it's it ain't just, floating. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> just, it's this is not a good matchup. I don't care how small Darius Garland is. At the end of the day, if RJ can't score unless he's ten feet, it's a bad
1: match. It's a bad matchup for for RJ scoring.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and so it is what it is. Like I I just, so I get why there are people that are like raging about RJ after these games. Or or I get why those people are. But like at the same time, in my head, I'm just like, what did you expect? Like this is what he's been doing all year. And actually, to me, and this was one of my uh, probably my. Not one of my biggest criticisms of like Tip's performance in this game as coach, and I just want to say this because like I I thought Tip's coached a great game one game, especially considering Brunson was in foul trouble and Randall was coming after an injury. I thought he did a really really good job. Um, but his one mistake, the one mistake I thought that he made in that game was leaving R.J. Barrett in way too long in the fourth quarter. Not just leaving R.J. Barrett in for too long in the fourth quarter, but leaving him in next to G, uh, Josh Hart. I was about to say Jason Hart. Didn't Jason Hart there was a NBA player named Jason Hart at some point in time, I think. Yeah, um, the... Shit, Now, Did I he go to Nova, too? The Pelicans. Did he go to Nova, too? I don't know. Whatever. Um, anyway. I'll Josh, get to the bottom yeah, of this. But, like, <laughs> he played RJ with Josh Hart in that fourth quarter way too much. That I, I thought that kind of helped crater the Knicks' offense for a bit. Oh, yeah.
1: Jason Hart, he, he played in the league, and now he coaches the Ignite. So, there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and... And then in game two, you look at the first sub, and I get it, man. I get quickly struggled in game one. I'm sorry, like you, I just think it's a little bit ridiculous to go to Josh Hart as sub number one for Grimes. I think it was for Grimes, if I remember correctly. And he just or, no, sorry, it was it was actually for RJ. But then he started the second, the end of the first quarter. He brings RJ back in and he brings and they start the second quarter and it's like you can just see that lineup it doesn't matter who the point guard was when quickly was the point guard next to those two guys it didn't work when J- Jalen brunson's been the point guard next to those two guys it doesn't work you cannot have those two guys the way rj barrett has been shooting this year and the way that he's being defended right now and the way that josh hart refuses to shoot even though he's shooting like 70 percent from three you cannot have those guys playing extended run against a defense that is this good they are the number one defense in the nba this season they have two bigs that control the paint defensively they do not let you get to the rim their entire defense much like the knicks is predicated on not allowing shots at the rim and if you do even get to the rim guess what they've got two (laughs) seven footers there who are capable of erasing you you cannot play those guys extended minutes those minutes need to end um and so the like to me, the RJ thing is it's it's tied in. Like you're also not like this is on Tibbs as much as it is RJ at this point. Because as I said, we know what RJ has been this season, and Tibbs knows This, what is, RJ's this is the th- this is the thing about
1: about the playoffs is like the only guys who on any team are going to be guaranteed who should be guaranteed thirty plus minutes. On this team and on most teams, I won't say all teams, but most teams are the stars of your team or the players at positions where you have really bad depth. And that's because in the playoffs, matchups matter more because you're playing against the same team over and over. So in the regular season, you could play RJ against the Cavs 30 minutes and it's probably not the end of the world and then you you're trying to get these guys in a rhythm and you're trying to build habits across games versus different opponents so like you can't jerk everybody around like crazy game to game but in the playoffs it's a little different right like like you said this is a team that even if rj can get by the small guys they're selling out even more than the knicks sold out this season in terms like there was a couple of plays they, that i they, they were like, where literally no yeah. cav Sneakers were on or outside the three-point line or even close. None. zero Of the 10 there, feet, none of them were, were there. <laughs> there were
0: plays where, like, all five of them With had... good shooters. Yeah. Uh, With good were, shooters yeah. open.
1: Like, They're, they were on purpose pretty much leaving anybody who wasn't in the corners. So, like, there was many plays where in game two were Quickly and Grimes and Randall, the our three of our best shooters, if not our three best shooters, were open above the break. And they were just like, oh, well, whatever. We don't care. We're just going to... Because they know A... They gotta protect the rim and b they know they need to put arms and bodies into people to deal with Mitch and Julius and all these guys rebounding so and they were like, all right, we need like we're we suck at rebounding, so we need to gang rebound, and if the Knicks, a poor passing team, make us pay for that, we'll worry about that later. That was their bet, and for r j. Barrett, um this is just a kind of an unfortunate matchup since they're playing it that way. Because against most front courts, you know, even good ones, he'll get some of some of these drives to result in fouls and and layups and floaters and stuff like that. But it's just these guys are just beastly down there, and it's it's the one team in the East to me, maybe the Bucks as well, um, who are like that and uh, against other teams like you could probably deal with it like even against a team like the sixers like they would have him be there but then the next guy is like tobias harris or pj tucker or something so there's options you know because one of those guys is going to be on Mitch. here you're basically dealing with the center no matter what like you said or a seven footer rather so if you reduce rj's minutes in this series because of the matchup like yes that is a that is a reflection of his weaknesses, but that doesn't mean that you would do the same thing, you know, versus Miami or Milwaukee or Philly or, and whoever we could have also matched up against in a different timeline, or if we were fortunate enough to advance to the second round, you know, like who we would play in the second round. So, and and this is true, not just of RJ, this could be true of a lot of different guys, right? Like this could be true of, of uh of mitchell robinson right there could be some super fucking small there isn't in the east really but like there could be some like if we played in the same division as the warriors or something like there would be a lot of situations where it'd be like nope get mitch out of there get hartenstein in there because mitch is gonna have to run around and be on the perimeter while dre is like screening people and Steph is causing chaos or whatever so like it it's really to get to your initial point like this isn't. This shouldn't be a surprise. Like this outcome, this level of struggle for RJ. What the only thing I'll say that is there are two things that did surprise me about RJ. One was the passing in game one, which surprised me in a good way. He had six assists and three or four more great passes, and he had none in game two. And he he had a he had like maybe like one or two good driving kicks, if that max. And it just wasn't going for him. But Tibbs needs to realize like, okay, this is a situation where, especially because of the traps, we need more shooting and ball handling and quick decision making t- on t- the floor.
0: Tibbs has to stop pretending that RJ Barrett being bigger than Darius Garland makes that a great individual mismatch to attack. Like that he he's I'm sorry, I I, I think Tibbs I I kind of am bullish that he did realize this because, like I said, I think his rotations in the second half were different and a little bit more interesting to me. Um, but like, I'll, I'll put it this way: one of our best trios in the regular season. Okay, I'll pull up the number, the exact numbers in a little bit here. One of our best trios in the regular season, one to three, was Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. You're playing a team. That starts Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt, and LeVert or whoever at the three. You're not giving up a bunch of size in this situation. This is actually one of the few matchups where you're not giving up a bunch of size. And if you're gonna hide Jalen Brunson on a player like a um like a Karis Levert anyway, your defensive matchups aren't actually horrible there. They're actually fine. I'm not saying that you're going to lock these guys up. Obviously, we saw Darius Garland can ball out. We know Donovan Mitchell can ball out. Like there's only so much you can do. But you're not just going to get completely roasted possession after possession. My point being is stats have been a very productive lineup for the Knicks all season, okay? Guess how many minutes they've played in this sorry, forget minutes. Guess how many possessions they've played in this series so far. I have no idea. 0 They've played zero <laughs> possessions with those three on the floor together in this series. You cannot go away from, like, if you want to go away from things that have worked for you in the regular season for a specific opponent, that's fine. I get your feeling things out in the first two games. I'm cool with that. And I understand that Quickly and Grimes struggled a bit in the first two games. My issue with this is twofold. One, yes, they struggled in the games. I think they have earned the benefit of the doubt to figure things out based on their performance over the regular season. And if you want to tell me, well, it's the playoffs, you got to have a quick, you know, tight leash, blah, 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 whatever. Okay. Well then why are you giving RJ Barrett such an extended leash and not these guys when those two guys have really helped push your baseline forward in ways that RJ hasn't, we've talked about this. I'm not turning this into the RJ Barrett shit on RJ Barrett hour, but like, but like, you know, we've talked about this a lot, right? RJ's just struggled a lot this year. It is what it is. Um, by the way, Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, 456 minutes played this season, plus 7.0 net rating in the regular season. Um, like, you've got to use that that combination, you know? I don't care. Like, if you want... I understand he wants hard out there. That's fine. It The, the minutes have to be cut from, from other places, and they've got to come in different form, forms because you cannot have this RJ Barrett... Josh Hart thing out there. It's just not. Right. It Hart should exactly
1: Hart should play, right? Like you want like he makes us play faster, but you just can't play when when they're selling out. Like I you you have to you have to see what your opponent is doing and counter that in the playoffs. This isn't you're not a number one seed juggernaut who can just impose your will no matter what on offense. That's the thing. Like I, I know Tibbs very much does not believe in like He's like, play our game, make them adjust, and and I also subscribe to that for the most part. But like at the core of that is offensive rebound, Randall and Bronson, and then dynamic role players, right? Like what you're suggesting, which is splitting up RJ and Hart and reducing (laughs) RJ minutes, it's not benching RJ, right? Like it's just reducing RJ's minutes. That you're still you're still hewing to your core tenets and your core game style. You're just adapting it to what is actually a pretty extreme adaptation on Cleveland's part. Like when I was looking at the plays again to this morning, I was actually stunned. Like I didn't quite realize how hardcore. Like the uh, like we talked about in game one, everybody talked about it. Like just how egregious the Knicks were. Like oh, whoever's your fifth guy. I don't give a fuck about them, right? Like back turned, yeah, but like total, total abdication that like there was very much an opening for that fifth guy to just hit five threes and make life really shitty for us. And the Cavs took a similar risk in game two and it paid off big time. Like it's one thing to help off of Josh Hart and RJ Barrett when they're both in the game. Like those guys aren't snipers. Hart is fine. But, and, like, when, you, when you're when you ignoring quickly and Randall and Grimes by 10 feet, 15 feet, that's like, it's just like our strategy. It's a strategy that you know you can't take away everything, so you're picking something and daring your opponent to take advantage of the weakness of your strategy. And we didn't really do that, which is disappointing, but the thing that makes... That the flip side of that is like, it's a very obvious thing in retrospect of what they did, and that's not the hardest adjustment in the world. As far as all right, how do the Knicks tweak their game plan? Like it's like for example, I'll give you an example that came to mind while I was looking at these plays. Julius Randall loves step through jump passes, right? Like he we hasn't really done that. He's been really in scoring mode versus this Cavs team understandably, but like if he steps through jump pass on any of these possessions and then just like looks at the other, like the top of the court, there's going to be like one or two guys completely open for him. And he's actually kind of great at those passes. So like simple things that Julius Randall is very comfortable is doing could pretty much erase this strategy that the Cavs were implementing as long as it's not RJ Barrett and Josh Hart there because you need guys who can make you pay. Um, so I, I know you're going to get to this a little bit, but like, you know, kudos to Bickerstaff for making for daring the Knicks to do stuff. Staff. Yeah, or that, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and the Knicks need to like Tibbs really needs to say, all right, guys, like this is how we're changing the game plan because the, you can't. They're going to do it again. They're going to dare the Knicks to pass again, right? Like, Knicks fans remember the games versus the Raptors. It's the only other team that has deployed this kind of pressure on our ball handlers, and it was the same shit. It was just daring us to make an easy pass to hit an open shooter. And if they don't do that, they're going to lose the next game for a very silly reason. Um, So I'm not it, – it's kind of annoying, but if I had to just bet, like, this isn't – Again, this isn't some. This isn't asking the Knicks to do something completely outside of the box. It's hey, screen less, screen more with ball handlers. Do a couple of more quick passes when you see pressure, and then when you're in the paint, if you have a second, take a quick look back at the top of the key because guys will be open. That's it. It's not. It's not crazy.
0: I can't stress this enough because I thought he coached a really great game on. I can't stress enough how awful I thought his game two coaching was. And I know people were like, I get it. After the game, there was a lot of like, well, quickly and Grimes; Those guys got to step up. RJ played like shit. You yeah, know. sure. I can, I, and like, I get all that. My issue with that, though, is like, like t- we've seen this, okay? There are matchups. When teams trap us, when teams play aggressive on pick and roll coverages, we have personnel to beat it. If you doubt that that's true, I challenge, go watch, again, go go watch the last Miami game. Go watch the fourth quarter of that game. Brunson didn't even play. He didn't play. And we cut them up, possession after possession, got open shot after open shot, because Emmanuel quickly is the best ball handler on this team in this very specific regard when it comes to handling traps. He is the best on the team at handling that. And Brunson, as good a ball handler as he is, is not good at handling traps because he tries to dribble out of a trap constantly. And like like I mean look, you even see this on their side of the ball. Donovan Mitchell's, like you said this in our Discord, he's like probably one of the best in the league at beating a trap. He's not trying to beat a trap every time the fucking trap comes. Like you have to accept the pressure and then you've got to make plays out of it. And this isn't all on Brunson or this is all It's like, a less it's a less is more solution. Yeah, and and it's there's there's all kinds of issues with how the Knicks Tried to attack pressure in this game. I'm going to start with the Brunson piece of it. When Bru- this like, there's okay. Emmanuel quickly, Jalen Brunson. They played. They played. Hold on a second. I have it here. They played 973 minutes together this season. They were a plus 8.5 rating, 116.8 offensive, 108.3 defensive. Um, they were really, really good when they played together. I bring that up because. What has Quickly struggled with in this series so far, right? He struggled with getting drill penetration, getting into the paint. He's struggling with their physicality, all that type of stuff. Okay? That's fine. I get that. It is what it is. What has Brunson struggled with? What did Brunson struggle with in the last game? Dealing with traps. Combine them together. It's that anime meme. Um, Like, like you put Brunson on the second side. Have him open for the swing pass. Let Quickly take the the trap and, and... you know, this might be an even crazier idea. Don't screen with Mitchell Robinson because Mitchell Robinson has been. I can't tell you how much I think of the offensive issues. I don't want to say stem from him, but he exacerbates so much of the issues that we saw in game two. Um, and honestly, in game one, too. But it's like you win a game, it's easier to gloss over that stuff. He can't make any plays out of the pick and roll. He also does a terrible job of just making himself available. Like there were a couple where he just rolled like 15 feet away from the ball hair And it's like, Mitch, um, Brunson's in trouble, buddy. You, you might need to make yourself available to him. And it's like, you just got to change these elements of it. So I would like to see more Brunson in quickly minutes. I, more importantly than that, though, I think it's very, very important that they start screening that Mitch doesn't screen. If they're going to trap this aggressively and this consistently, Mitch cannot be the screen setter. You have to deviate from that. And we've seen the Knicks have success Using either Hartenstein as a screen setter, or bringing guard gu- setting guard guard pick and rolls, setting wing guard pick and rolls. We've seen them, and they have history. to commit to that as a team. Like yeah. there was
1: there was one possession that I clipped there quickly. It was weird. Like quickly set a screen, but instead of just going straight down, he went like like to the wing, and Brunson. There was so much space that Brunson still could have gotten him the ball, but like. You now that the Knicks know what's coming, like use the guards, they know how to handle four on threes. They've all done Grimes has done it quickly, has done it. Josh Hart has done it. RJ Barrett has done it. Like, they, they've all done it at some point. And just you know, like, Brunson knows what's coming.
0: Hart needs to be a screen setter. Grimes needs to be used as a screen setter. RJ, can be with, used as a screen setter. OB should be used as a screen setter because that's like if you're going to have him out there. If they're going to play like this, he should absolutely be setting screens because he's, he's actually crazy. really, he's really good at playing playing downhill four on three. And then Art, that and lets Stein, Mitch stay. Yeah. You know when Mitch in is, in, that spine. lets him stay in his sweet spot, right? Four yeah. on three
1: with Mitch right there is that's good. That's going to be a lob a lot of the time, right? Like so, like yeah. if, and if he can if, catch the ball, really he really might wins. even dunk it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like <laughs> it's it's a lot easier to like catch the ball when there's not fucking all the calves there. Right. And then, like I'm right. not saying he didn't have fucking butterfingers because he did, but like a lot of those is. It was really like, again, they were egregiously packing the paint, like more than the Knicks did at any point this season, which is really saying something. And to go back to Brunson real quick, like it was a it was a bit of a perfect storm for him. Um, he's not great at handling those traps um, when they're that aggressive. And it's not like trap, 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 okay, back away. Like they were like, no, we're going to make you dribble to the half court line, dude. Like we're going to keep doing this trap. Until you give it up, even if we're four on three, and it's going to be two huge guys like yeah. Harris was like the smallest guy trapping, and then it was made worse because you know he had a lot of shots that just didn't go in, like in and I, out, sorry. he had he, a bunch of in and out. out, exactly. So like I know he was trying to get going, and you know he knows that he can cook these motherfuckers one on one, and so for him it's like I'm gonna reset and cook these dudes, but it's like that's kind of playing into their hands. You have to trust that your chance to cook these dudes will come in a play, in two plays. By handling the trap quicker, then you'll make them less likely to trap you the next time down. And again, I think this is the sort of thing that it's not rocket science. I think Brunson's going to be like, yeah, duh. And Tibbs is going to be like, yeah, duh. So I'm pretty confident that um, they'll adjust to that much better because, like for all his like Brunson definitely gets into his like got to get my shot zone but like you know this this he's not the kind of player who doesn't trust his teammates so i think that adjustment is definitely going to come but it was exacerbated like it's funny like this is this is how thin the margins can be on the playoffs is like those in and out shots go down you're not down as much you have a little bit less pressure to carry the offense for your team you're more willing to pass like these little domino effects from quarter to quarter can really cause you to deviate from your game plan. And that's the shit that, uh, that can lose you a game and can turn like a five, 10 point game into a 15, 20 point game. So I think, uh, I think that adjustment's going to come. It's just so fucking blindingly obvious um, that I'm, I'm, the one I'm more worried about is, is the roster shit. I think the X is a no shit. That's,
0: I'm 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 sure. worried I'm worried about both. I'm actually a little bit less worried about the roster shit, just because I feel like I I think you think RJ's going to get less than thirty minutes in Game Three. I think so. Um, I, I hope so because he's you just have bets like that. I'm not a gambler. Well, uh, can you, can you not... take bets like that? I'm sure if you I'm sure you could find one somewhere um, on the internet. Yeah, I, I just. Like, I know this sounds crazy because Quickly hasn't played well offensively and Grimes hasn't played well offensively and whatever, but like, I'm just going to say, I I didn't, I thought the way Quickly got used in that game was ridiculous in the first half. Like, yes, he had a terrible turnover on Darius Ground. It was an awful turnover. He looked terrible, whatever. I get it. The next time he handled the ball, okay, the next time he handled the ball, and and basically from that point on, Tibbs took the ball out of his hands. It was like, if you basically, if you watch the game back, it's like Josh Hart brings the ball up every time down, and then they ran a shit ton of their offense through R.J. Barrett, which I didn't even understand because Randall was on the floor. So I'm like, if you're gonna like do this, like, can you just run it through Randall instead? Like, I don't get it. You're running like top of the key, stagnant pistol pick and roll actions for for R.J. Like, it's just again, like, this is where I get why people are upset at R.J. But I'm like, well, this is what he is this year. So Tibbs is putting him in this position. That's on Tibbs. Like I'm sorry, that's like not to me. Like yeah, we can criticize RJ for that, but it's not. It's not like RJ was hijacking the offense. You know what I mean? Like that was what they were trying. This to is just him. how our
1: offense is, right? That's, except that. for there's two big ass dudes. In the, you right. know, that's that's what
0: that's what Tibbs wanted them to do. You could visibly see that once quickly that turnover, he lost total faith in him, and that was it. Um, but like he did, he got two. He got one possession, right? The first possession of the second quarter, if I remember correctly. He runs a pick-and-roll with Julius. Julius gets a wide-open three. He just doesn't make it. Um, and he ran two more pick-and-rolls with Julius in the second half. Both worth for threes. I think Julius cashed one, and then he rimmed out a second one. But, like, the point being is I'd st- I like, I'd get that quickly struggled Based on how he's responded to struggles in his career, and especially this season, from what we saw earlier in the season to how he finished it, like I think you need to let him go through that. And I'll tell you why: because they're not going to win this series unless quickly plays well. Unless he gets it together, they have no shot of winning the series. Like more than Grimes, more than Barrett, they need quickly to get his shit together and and play well. And the only way that's going to happen is if Tibbs lets him. Handle it. Like, just deal with it. Dude, you were down like they were down twenty. It's like just and he did. And to tips his credit, in the second half, he put him in, I think, with like six thirty left in the third quarter, and he just played the rest of the game. And I actually thought it was good for him. Um, it's not like he was chucking a shit ton of shots, but like he definitely looked to to get his shot more often. He actually tried to handle the ball, which was good to see. Um, it wasn't like some amazing stuff and you know, he scored a bunch in, in garbage time, but like I think it was good for him to just like play that out. And it was good for him to play with Brunson. Um, It was good for like, these were good things. And I think Tibbs, I I feel like Tibbs probably realized, okay, I I need to get this guy going if we're going to win the series. Um, I think that's important. I think, and then I think as a team, all of them, this is on all of them. They've got like, I don't care. And Grimes, first of all, when he does get the ball, if he's open, shoot the fucking ball. I'm sick. Like, don't, I don't want to see one more, pump fake from the corner, drive based on who he threw up like Josh Hart's head. Like what are you doing? Just shoot the fucking three, dude. Um, but they also have to look for him. They have to get him more involved. And this is where like, you know, like we talked about. You can use Grimes as a screener. And not just as a screener, right? Have him set a fucking ghost screen. Have quickly go set a ghost, like go, go run ghost screens off these guys. Like, just do shit the basic to the counter to traps is just slips and slips, ghost screens, whatever. Like, yeah. I saw, I saw Memphis doing Memphis ran a bunch yesterday for uh Jaron Jackson Jr. And like, it's an automatic yeah. for
1: most teams. Like, if, if you're getting trapped, unless you have like you know, Donnie Mitchell or like Kyrie Irving or some shit, it's just go screen and then let, let the ball go quick just because of four on three for any nba team that's like not the fucking i don't even know who the worst offense is in the nba i was gonna say the pistons but i'm not sure whoever it is
0: deborah the rockets like,
1: probably. oh yeah you're right it's probably the Rockets. any nba team that's not the rockets with a four on three it's probably easy money so like it's, it's
0: not complicated